in ancient times uh, there was something called as using charged objects to treat this is uh, often regarded as a kind of totem but there is some truth in it shubhendra describes the cure of his brother suffering from fever for few months where naga sanyasi came and he took a glass of water and cut it after some uh, incantation uh, twice he cut it and then he offered him and he became cured i as a staying in a village i have seen such things so there is a possibility of charging material objects like a coin or anything for that matter and uh, it it helps but one has to have that kind of a know how and these are of course temporary helps not not something which can permanently alter the things um, even objects which are sacred objects which have been given by someone who is realized uh, what is called as relics all these things have a great power in them and there is a whole science of consciously handling uh, the most material objects so maybe we can use this coin <laughs> so it's very interesting how these things have been used and they can be used all objects can be seen purely from a material standpoint they can be seen from occult standpoint they can be seen from a spiritual standpoint and so many ways of looking at it so the uh, subject that has been given is peace uh, very nice actually for peace we should not speak we should just bathe in peace but um, okay before we come to the questions i have some questions just a little bit on peace there are two ways of acquiring peace one is to ask for it call it quietly open to it peace like many other aspects of the divine is right there around us above us everything is surrounded by the divine presence within everything there dwells the divine presence and peace is an attribute of the divine and we can aspire call for peace and through practice we develop a kind of inner connection with peace this aspect of the divine and then it comes but it comes and goes it doesn't settle into the being the second thing is second way is that if we want peace to be permanently settled inside us then we have to find a way to reconcile and harmonize the contradictory elements in our being unless we do that there won't be lasting peace so very often one of the first things if we really want to progress in life and if we really want freedom godward journey or even to lead a life which is uh, an empowered life the first step is to stop blaming others to stop blaming circumstances there is always somebody to blame if nobody then god is to be blamed poor fellow he has no choice he takes everything <laughs> so as long as there is somebody outside us who is to be blamed then obviously we have lost that much power over ourselves because we can't change someone else 
we end up in a vicious cycle of complaining, grumbling, and you know, when we complain and grumble, all kinds of unhappy forces enter our being. It's not easy because there is wickedness in the world. There are, well, really bad guys, if I may use the word. There is deception, there is cheating, there is forgery, all kinds of things exist in this world. And sometimes it may be difficult. But if we look at it as a challenge thrown at us, then life begins to change. Okay, so and so may be wicked in our understanding. I am not even going into that aspect that we should be non-judgmental. No, let's leave, leave aside that. Supposing we actually encounter wickedness. Now, is it worth losing our own sleep over it? I have to ultimately find that focal point inside me from which I can still remain at peace even when I am surrounded by these kind of forces, people, energy in my environment. And that comes... One, by practice of samta, equanimity, that Shurvindo speaks about, that the Gita speaks about, the several ways of practicing it. And the second, it comes by observing oneself that what is in, in me, that is opening the doors to such forces, such beings, such energies. Why have they gathered around us? There is a... Um, you know, many of us may be aware that there are plants which draw snakes, attract snakes. There are plants which repel snakes. Purely by the smell. So we also carry within ourselves a kind of atmosphere which attracts certain forces, people, energies and also repels them. And the world that gathers around us is very often a mirror reflection of the world within us. And we can learn a lot from the people we find in our lives. Not about them, about ourselves. Because each of them represents something that actually I carry within myself without my knowledge. And unless I work upon this part, I'll always remain subject to the same problem. There was a friend of mine who one day landed up in the morning with a... He wanted an advertisement to be given in the newspaper and wanted me to go through it. So the advertisement was about uh, finding the ideal match. So it was a one-page long advertisement. Wanted, convent educated, good-looking, age this, job not, you know, work, girl should be working, she should also be expert at cooking, food, well, everything. You name it, I don't know. So, uh, so, so all these things were there. The irony of it was that this was the fifth time that he was wanting to get married. <laughs> so I had to tell him, look, you know, advertisement is very good, but I don't know whether even in heaven such models exist or not. <laughs> you may try. Uh, he didn't, um, you know, most of the time when people come and ask your advice, don't rush to give advice. They don't want advice. They want a confirmation of their views. So, <laughs> you learn it after much pain sometimes, particularly in my profession. 
So you just listen and say, yeah, 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 it's okay. You know it's not advice, one wants confirmation. So you, you, all that you say is, look, in my view, I don't think this is going to work. But anyways, the person went ahead, spent a lot of money on the newspaper advertisement, got married, 15 days. That's all it lasted. Now, you see, what happens with these things? It's like, I am all the time carrying a certain part within me which is ever dissatisfied, which is unhappy and it's wanting to get that happiness from somebody else. It doesn't get and then we start complaining and grumbling. Well, to start with, my assumption was wrong. It's not somebody's fault. Human beings are what they are. Why can't I empower myself and find whatever I am seeking outside within me? And there are so many beautiful ways to heal this uh, this gap. Take for instance, a person is very happy when one calls the divine, sits at the samadhi and it's so beautiful or reads a book and is exalted or does a mantram or japam and feels very nice, comes home and is the worst kind of fellow that you can imagine. So if you want to know about a person, ask the husband or the wife. You will get a slightly exaggerated but, <laughs> but still a more closer picture of the other side of the coin. Now, why this happens? Because there is a part in us which we have left just as it is. So, what do we do with this part? There is, for instance, a need for love. This need doesn't come when you are at the samadhi and calling the peace. It's very fine. But the moment you step out and, uh, you know, into the world, this need asserts itself. How to make this fellow quiet? Because it is a restless part. So, the way is very simple. Look at it closely. See, way of the Buddha. Look very closely, dispassionately at this part. What is it really wanting? Then if we go deep inside, you will see that, well, it has a need which is projecting onto everybody in this world that this person will fulfill, that person will fulfill. You know how it colors our emotion? So much so that when we meet a person for the first time, there are instant likings and dislikes. Yeah, you feel, ah, this is the perfect one. Shobindo uses this beautiful expression in Savitri. In earthly alphabets reads heavenly signs. So it says, ah, this is the one. But it's my own projection onto someone else. And then later on, it's not the person who disappointed. The person is what the person is. But something within me is disappointing myself. So what do I do? I have a need of love, for instance. So then if we go deeper, we realize that basically why, why do people feel happy? Because it's the nature of love. When it hits the heart, it makes one happy. It's the nature of this energy. Now what am I doing? I am looking for this energy from this, that, this, that. It's not healthy because it may make us dependent. But can I unlock this energy inside me? Now there are ways and means I can do it. If I learn to give love. Now this is very simple what I think Falguni was speaking about. Shifting the consciousness. I use a term playing the judo with oneself. Now what do you do in judo? One of the first lessons I learnt is that use the energy of the opponent. So if the opponent is pushing in a certain direction, you use that energy, literally. And the opponent will fall. You don't have to do anything. 
It's the art of non-doing. So what is this love which will make me happy? Mother puts it beautiful in a small little sutra. The love that you give to others makes you happy and not the love that you receive from others. It's such a simple thing. Sometimes it takes, like my friend, so many misadventures to understand this. Still, people don't understand. So once in a while it is good to practice. Now it's very interesting that when this energy begins to emerge and we take it that no, I have to change my stance, I have to learn to give. Then you will see that your heart becomes happy, it feels the same beatitude because it's, a, it's an energy. Similarly with everything else, whatever we are looking for, we carry that inside and that's why we are looking for outside. So all these different parts which are basically errant parts, they are seeking the right thing in the wrong place. What we tell them is that you are seeking the wrong thing, especially in traditional yoga. But it's not true. If there is a beautiful line in Savitri, each part in us desires its absolute. Even the seeking of passions had its truth inside. Seeking of love, seeking for knowledge, seeking for harmony, all these things are very real and life would be meaningless without them. So, but how do we do it? Seeking is right, the place is wrong. It's like we go to a vegetable market. And ask people, do you have a diamond? So many of them, I've, if you have never seen a diamond, so they will pick up that, you know, weighing thing. Like, you know, we have glasses put on the table. Yes, yes, I have. Please take it. How much is it? Just, I give you for 200 rupees. Wow. I have got a very cheap diamond. It doesn't work out like that. Anything worthwhile in life, if you want... It, it has its price. There is a price tag attached to it. For peace, there is a price. It doesn't come like that. Only the peace of inertia comes like that. Even there, it's a price. You have to be active. Otherwise, even peace of inertia will be denied. People don't get sleep. Simply because it's been too dull and lazy a day. So at night, you don't get sleep. So you have to, even for that, there is a price. So simple. And the price of peace is... To learn to harmonize these different elements. It's a long and painstaking process. But till we do it, something or the other inside us will always be there to come as a cloud between us and the peace. One simple practice is samatha, equanimity. Now this all of us experience, very many but temporarily. For instance, when we face with a disappointment, we go into a shell. And we are not affected. But it's not really true. It's a very temporary thing. All the pain is there, what she was describing. Small pain, big pain. And it comes out in very indirect ways. And one has to only wait for a little occasion and it will come out. It's like a, something purulent which has gone inside. Like a chronic abscess. It's not good. It's not healthy. It's going to be very harmful for us. It's a toxin. So what, what are we to do it? Do with it. It goes into shell. That's not equanimity. So outwardly you will see that the person is happy and everything is fine. But deep inside the pain is there. So we have to look at it. Look into its root cause. So equanimity comes truly not by this kind of a stoic indifference. Some people become very unloving because they have met with problem in 
their human relationship that is also not healthy because we have thrown the baby with the bath water we have to look deep inside and what shrivindu says the only true equanimity the right door to equanimity is not a disappointed resignation not even a stoic forbearance but an illuminating understanding of the nature of this world of the way things are or a genuine surrender acceptance and surrender to the divine we don't understand how life is it and we don't have to be very philosophical or read the life divine to understand one simple thing it's there in the life divine but we don't have to read the book to understand that this universe was not created for my satisfaction this much is i think obvious enough it's a fact let's accept it there are many things which will happen which are not to my liking which are not according to my ideas they should be we were as shivinder says what to do uh, when dilip kumar roy sent him a letter from quoting portion from anatoly france and he says you know he says either god does not exist it's a very longish letter where he says that there is so much evil and suffering in the world either he does not want to do anything about it or he is incapable of doing about it and that's how he puts it's a long letter and then shobindo replies very beautifully that you know how they meet in a heaven of irony now the problem is that we lot of suffering comes because we start with this basic assumption this is called life centered around the ego that well everything is meant to cater to my my thinking my understanding very often unwittingly parents also add to it mother says i am so fortunate you know she had a very materialistic mother and a very very strong father father was so strong that he could make a horse come down by just giving a thump that kind of strength physical strength and the mother like an iron lady tremendous psychological strength she said if ever any of us was seen pulling a long face she would instantly say what you are not here for these things for pulling a long face come on come on do your activity now it's a tremendous thing because you know in life that's how life is that there are things which are not to our liking if this basic assumption we can correct within us then lot of problems will be sorted out people are what they are they are on different and we can add in further understanding that well everybody is in different stages of evolution it's okay everybody is struggling with themselves with their problems issues difficulties challenges it's all right perfectly fine it brings a benevolence benevolence always brings peace benevolence not only with others benevolent understanding even of oneself or else we go into a state of self blame i am the one who is this is the other swing as if to say before god that i am the sinner is a great quality it's not when we go to god we are just as we are we don't judge ourselves it's left to him probably he may not see it that way at all so this tendency to blame others to blame our ourselves this doesn't help what helps is to look at ourselves dispassionately impersonally but with a view to understand what we are 
where things are going wrong, not in others, because I can't correct it, but within me. And then reorient it. To reorient, we need another thing, which is very important. And that's like an anchor. Yesterday we hinted about it. We need a very clear cut, clarity about the goal or the aim. Much of life just flows away without realizing why we are here. When we know the goal, then automatically everything else becomes subordinated. It doesn't trouble us much because there is something else towards which we are advancing. That alone matters. Look how soldiers on the battlefield all over the world, they give their life and they why with each other to give their life? Normally it's so difficult, but because they have a goal much greater than themselves. The greater the goal, the lesser the misery. Very beautifully, the mother says, actually if we think about ourselves, we will be miserable and this applies universally true. Always there will be some ache, some pain somewhere in the body or the mind or some corner of the heart. But if we think about so much that is to be done in creation for others, this is a simple way or ideally for the divine, then automatically all these misery will be washed away because we will open ourselves to a tremendous current which will automatically take away all these things without even our presenting them. We know the seven tasks of Hercules. One of them was to clean the Aegean stables. So it was such a huge stable. So by the time he goes to the last horse, the first horse has already started dirtying the place again. So the fellow doesn't know what to do. This is a task given to him. But Hercules is Hercules. He finds a way. He says, okay, there is a river there. If I cut a stream from the river to the stable, I don't have to really do anything. The water will come and clean the stable perpetually. All that I need to do is to make a link between the river and the stable. So we are like that from morning till evening, picking or plucking out one thorn after another, one little thing after another. By the time it's night, the old one has started off again. But if we can open, create a link between the river, ocean of peace, as Shubhindu says, and light which is above us, then all that we need to do is open that. Whatever means, doesn't matter. One may use the word peace, somebody may use the word ma, 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 ma. Somebody else says Om, Shanti, Shanti, Shanti. Somebody says nothing but conceives a light entering the head, cleansing oneself. Small little exercise when we take a bath, when the shower is coming through. Think about peace coming down into the system. In India, there was a ritual which as children we had learnt. Now, of course, nobody follows. The ritual was, there was no shower. So, there was this old worn-out bucket and a lota. So, not even a handle to hold. And the water was the well water. No heating arrangement because to heat you had to need, you needed all this... Uh, burning, you know, wood or something and very cumbersome. So this was easier way that get used to the cold <laughs> rather than hot water luxury. So before putting the water, there was a mantra. And according to that mantra, we were to conceive that 
all the seven rivers their merits have come into this bucket ganga jamuna saraswati kaveri narmada godavari so everything is there and then you put gange 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 so you know one is that it takes away the cold feeling of cold <laughs> the second is you are cleansing your inner being also so now you know it's a day of improvisation so we have the shower so it's so much easier so every time we take a shower in the morning we can think that this is not just water but peace entering our system cleansing it quietening it calming it this is the basic thing about peace and to keep on seeing whenever we are disturbed not to justify our disturbance that's dangerous very dangerous not at all conducive to any kind of real progress in life as long as somebody else is responsible for my anger then obviously i have no control over it not even to say i am guilty no but to look inside then we'll discover the nature of this world nature of reality nature of things see we read scriptures we don't need scriptures honestly we don't need books what are books coming from they come from the source of knowledge how did the seers get to that knowledge they very dispassionately looked at life at creation and they discovered these things we can also discover it we can discover the sun of truth inside us we can discover that peace we can discover anityam asukham lokam bhajasumam all these great discoveries can come to us if we really it you know are very clear that what is the direction my life has to take otherwise it's a perpetual frustration so whenever disturbances come to look for the inner causes and correct it that's called immunity not like taking tons of antibiotics all the time sometimes we need it but also to look at my immune system why is it constantly packing up is there a sugar issue is there something else am i depressed am i having sleepless nights that's how nowadays doctors say even about cancer they speak about inner immunity rather than outer causes so this is the way it also touches upon the first question about will power so so many opportunities we will get in life from morning till evening night this whole world there is a beautiful line in savitri it's a wonderful book actually we should just read savitri nothing else needed he made of this world a vast gymnasium of his works of might it's a gymnasium so what happens in a gymnasium we have different types of exercise we have treadmill so in real life there is a treadmill what is the treadmill when you try to explain something to someone your point of view and the other person doesn't understand so what do we do see i'm trying to tell you why don't you understand what is happening slowly the speed is going up we are on a treadmill you know in treadmill there is this beyond a point if you go you'll have a heart attack it's worthless let's at that point of time observe ourselves so same way many things in life let's say in the morning we wanted an extra toast there is a beautiful letter of nalnida written to shorbindo every day i see that the size of the lemons is becoming little lesser and lesser so he feels i wish the size was a little more now you see he doesn't tell them nalnida is one of the foremost sadhaks the person who came with shorbindo he could have easily told them what nonsense you people don't know who i am such a senior sadhak at least to me you should give a special lemon maybe two 
I will complain to mother and she, she will write a chit. That's how many of the neophytes start behaving. But Nalida doesn't do any of that thing. He observes the reactions inside. So he writes a letter to Shirobindo. When I saw the lemon size is reducing, I felt within me for a moment that why are they doing this? Lord, with a butcher's knife, take away this part from me. He is not saying give me more lemons. And Shubindu says, yes, surgery, yes, but why with a butcher's knife? Why not with a surgeon's scalpel? Divine is not a butcher, he is a surgeon. So we offer that part just the other way around. The same energy becomes helpful to show us something in us, which is not yet offered. That's why it's in pain. So here also it's a will which is turning within to master itself. Normally our will turns outside to get objects. And that's what is called a fragmentation of the will into desires. It's always trying to grasp. So it becomes very imperfect, maimed, incapacitated, frustrated, baffled etc. This will has to turn inside for inner conquest. So supposing there is, I was hungry and I got a little, you know, not a very good bread or a little less. We rush to act or speak. At that moment I have to catch myself and make a little exercise of will. This bread doesn't determine my destiny. So beautifully Christ has said, man does not live by bread alone. It's alright. I got a bread less today, it's fine. Somebody was a bit unfair with me, gave me scolding. I am fuming. That time the will has to step forward. Train is training and education. That look, so many times people have been unjustly praising me. I didn't tell them. I took all that praise and gloated over it. All this praise, see when people say, Oh, Doctor Saab, how nice of you, you cured me. It's a false credit. He prescribed a medicine. Medicine somebody discovered. And Doctor Six, very nice. Oh, yeah, actually, yeah, I know. Yeah, a lot of patients tell me that. This. So when you get, you accept unjust, unfair praise, what? Praise to anyone. All glory belongs to mother. So if an odd time somebody insults you, why do you leap up? Why do we leap up and start, you know? That's how life is. Essentially, if we learn to look at it that way, this is if we want to lead a life of sadhana. There is another dimension to the exercise of will. And that is, if we take up a task, persevere till the very end. If it fails, it fails. Doesn't matter. That also gives, you know, will. Another dimension of will is to persevere repeatedly. This is something that you learn from the crow. Every morning it teaches how to exercise your will. Put a piece of bread and stand near. He will come nearby. You go a little close, he will go away. Again he is watching intently. And eventually he will run away with that, fly away with that little thing because it persists in whatever it's doing. So everything that we do, we give up too early, too easily. So see, these are two seemingly opposite movements. One is to learn to accept things. The other is to persist and persevere. The first will give us calm, the other will give us strength. Strength on the basis of calm. That's how Mother says. 
if we don't know how to accept we don't have the power to change it's a paradox so instead of rushing through let's take calm and then persist whatever it be it may be opening a bottle small thing like that but to persist and persevere and not give up simply because things are not conducive circumstances are not right many people say perhaps the divine doesn't want that's why these situations are not right maybe the divine wants us to have an exercise of the will that's why the situations are not right it's not that the divine will will arrange circumstances and give us indications through that it's very wrong to presume it and the mother has made it very very clear it's very very wrong to presume that if circumstances are not conducive it means the divine will does not want this very often the divine will want something and all the circumstances rush up to be the very opposite this is how it works in real life so this is a second kind of exercise and morning till evening we can practice it in various various things so one is will turned inward and the will turned outward of course any kind of concentration helps the will power it's goes together so one simple last thing which i read very beautiful in mother and shubindu shubindu was very particular there is somebody in, in ashram department you will see that there is a great stress on punctuality stress on punctuality 8:00 means 8:00 if you have a you know something like a program which has to start at 5:30 it'll start at 5:30 there you must have seen here there is an annual demonstration on 2nd december uh, of the whole ashram and no governor or local person comes now the story is that they invited the governor once so he thought i am a governor anyways program won't start till i go so when he came the program was over and everybody was going nobody waited for him he got very angry is it no sir we don't wait like that so next time again they called again he was late only by 30 minutes but program started dot on time so after that by uh, it's customary not to invite so it's shurvindu writes in a small letter to be regular and punctual is a great quality because it shows that we have a certain mastery over our nature that's why soon after within 10 minutes of tea i was here falguni because you mentioned 10 minutes so you know 10 minutes means everything has to be done within those 10 minutes you have to reach out you have to pick up the cup you have to drink the tea chit chat clean wash keep calm now you see all these number of activities involve little little time and it's like of regulating that time of course we should not become um, acutely time conscious it doesn't mean that but when something has to be done in a time it's best to do it in a time so that helps the will so there are so many ways punctuality is a great quality it means that there is a certain degree of mastery over one's nature very often people say oh, i was late because of this sometimes yes there are genuine problems you can't help it but most of the time it's a question of reorganizing ourselves so it means there is plasticity it means there is you know a kind of internal organization how to get rid of negative thoughts same way the way of hercules don't fight 
if you fight with darkness, darkness increases. Very simple. What will happen ultimately? Whatever little light you have, you will lose it. It will become dark. Sullied with that. That is one of the things we see in the Mahabharata war at the end of it. Sometimes you have to, but generally the good principle is to light. Light lamp. That's the best way. So don't focus too much on negatives of oneself or others. Many of the negatives are, you know, beautifully it is put, much evil is either good in the making or good in the passing. Many things start like that. What we call as negative today, it may be a starting point. Like some people get very angry. Maybe they are, later on they will become, uh, you know, people who will carry within themselves the flame of justice. So you can't immediately cut it off. So there is, you know, in behind every negative, there is a positive which is waiting. Of course, defeatist emotion, pessimistic emotions, yes. But there also, if you keep fighting with it, it's very difficult. The little one can do is to just observe. Let it pass like a wave. Don't flow with it. Don't identify with it. Don't fight, but also don't flow with it. But the best way is to offer and call for all that opposes it. What opposes agitation? Peace. What opposes anger? Peace. Call for peace, light, truth, force, sweetness, delight, beauty. And it will automatically take care of the rest. These are the forces which will take care. By one's own strength we cannot because the evolution starts from the inconscient. It has a lot of hold upon our being. So if we think we can fight, it's like saying I can fight inconscient. We cannot. But we can open to the superconscient and that can take care of it. Mm. Ah, please. So beautiful. So beautiful. God grants me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change. Courage to change the things I can and wisdom to know the difference. Know the difference. Each word is meditative for being me. Absolutely. So this is the process. The last question is a bit different. It's about patient who stands at the crossroad with every shop opened from homeopathy, allopathy, osteopathy and this pathy and superpathy, God knows what, all around. What does he do? Go by the faith in your heart. Very simple answer. What may help me may not help somebody else. For myself, I may use calling the mother's force and it works wonderfully with me. But when a patient comes to me, I am not going to give this lecture. You know what? You don't need medicine. Medicine is very bad. Allopathy is harmful. Some people do this kind of a nasty thing. See, like proving a point. Don't have to do that. I may not want to do something. But not everybody, you know, if somebody has come to an allopath, eat some medicine, fine. Sometimes you have to give an advice, fine. 
but not to play with you know sometimes we like to disturb a patient's faith it's very unhealthy to do that it's all right if somebody has faith in any pathy allopaths do it very often oh homeopathy it's useless that's not a good approach somebody has faith let the person go finally it is faith grace and the destiny the pathy is only an instrumentation that instrumentation has a value but we should not give it the supreme value so you should go by one's faith so normally i would leave a patient free and every human being essentially free to choose one's own path nobody else should make a choice for somebody else's path destiny etc it's too big a too tall a order and uh, even mother and shubindo would not say people do this don't do this so somebody asked them why don't you say like this even in the gita after 18 chapters worth of solid wisdom shri krishna tells arjuna arjuna i have said what i had to say now you do what you choose it's amazing after all this he is said i am your shishya accept me as your disciple and he has grown up with him at the end shri krishna says i have told you what i had to say now you do as you make your own choice and shubindu said particularly in the divine consciousness why he would not say he said if i say do this and you don't do it it's got very serious repercussions because when a divine consciousness says something then you don't do it is very you know the whole cosmos will uh, you know work against so they always at the end there was a kevat this this is uh, you know uh, if you take this route this how it will be probably will be better if you proceed this way if you go this way this may come all that is fine but do this and don't do this no so you may at the most give your own suggestions your own experiences based on but let the person make a choice and remain calm there is nothing to be disturbed if somebody goes to some other doctor or even says you are no good it's perfectly fine it's a very good ex- experience to you see experiences in humility are very important once in a while every doctor should hear that you are no good no good <laughs> no good it helps to remain grounded every husband should also hear once in a while you are the most useless fellow in the world nowadays is the reverse true 
things are changing. So there's so many ways and I think, you know, each one should find and figure out one's own process and ways. That's why, you know, too much on techniques and processes may not be really important. More important is the essence and the basis. So any other questions? So, listening to the body does not necessarily mean obeying the body. It means understanding the body to start with. Body is giving certain cues. We got to pick it up. That's what it means. I mean, uh, I'm not saying that uh, it's the best thing always to do because sometimes we, we may become too indulgent also. You know, that may, you know, like every little pain and I have got this thing. But sometimes these are cues which show something else and then we can discover why this is happening. That's all it means. It's like supposing I have a pain somewhere which is persistent, nagging. So why this pain is there? But at the same time it is also true that many of the illnesses and Shubhendu speaks about it and there are solid examples in, uh, in history of medicine uh, get cured if you are indifferent about it. This is certain another way of mastery. You know the famous example of Norman Cousins, that book Anatomy of an Illness, where he was suffering from incurable arthritic pain all over and at that point of time declared to be nothing can be done and people had to be confined with such illnesses in a hospital setting. It was law. And this man eventually ran away from the hospital, checked inside a hotel with some nice, uh, you know, jokes and became alright doing it. So this is a very well-known book, Anatomy of an Illness. So um, it's alright good to take cues, but it's not always good to, you know, just be at the mercy of every sensation that is arising within the bodily system, because then there would be no mastery at all. So it's, it's a, it's, uh, it works both ways. The second aspect is that we have to awaken the latent body consciousness. So all this applies when the body has been made sufficiently conscious 
which means everyday regular routine which includes exercise or a walk or something then the body slowly becomes conscious otherwise it'll simply you know if it's tired it'll simply say that i'm tired so how will it say that i'm tired it, it will produce sleepiness or exhaustion things like that but many time because there is a interconnectedness between the body mind and the vital particularly the vital so many of the things of the vital may get reflected in the body uh, particularly when one comes here other factors also operate you see this talk about equilibrium means what that there are always different elements which impact us and we have to adjust to them we have to find a way to adjust now when you come here new forces begin to act sometimes more intense forces and you have to learn to adapt to them so one way to adapt is sleepiness this is a famous uh, story of um, this lady she told me herself need not mention the name she said when she used to come she would feel very sleepy and uh, she would just sleep lot most of the times i think this is a common experience for most of us i have gone through it everybody almost at some point goes through it so she wrote to the mother mother i feel so bad that i can't even get up to go for your balcony darshan i feel so terribly sleepy so the mother sent a one line reply with her own touch of care compassion she said when daughters come to their mother's house they come to take rest and sleep so you don't have to feel bad or guilty about it it's perfectly fine to sleep when children will go to the playground sometimes to watch movie saturdays so mother would also be present and uh, some of them will sleep so the person asks is there a point in bringing them she said yeah yeah it's all right let them sleep it's better if they are around i can work in them much better so it's perfectly fine so to that extent now you know there no fixed rules so the problem is when we reduce anything to a fixed system and a set of rules it's very dangerous that's the way mind likes to do it so many people ask me integral health tell me about it it's not a system it's something that evolves it's so much you know individualized and even in an individual at one point of time something may work at another point of time something else will work so we should not reduce anything to a fixed system and that's my big problem with fixed systems the moment you branded this pathy you have put a label or this is how it should be done people make a system even about you know there are a lot of workshops body awareness workshops uh, it's important but it's one part of the totality so the moment we do it that means mind is notoriously at play see it's analogous to how religions and sects are formed precisely this way you pick up a truth and turn it on its head and say for everybody this truth must apply and you have a religion sect or a cult same way you have ideological cults and ideological sects and schools of thought and philosophies and systems and people quarrel why not leave door to the infinite to work in his own way in infinite ways so i believe that you know each one must eventually figure out one's own way i'm not very happy to give you know processes and techniques because it there no universal techniques and processes we should know the essence and then the rest we have to do it essence is this that eventually all healing comes from beyond Yeah. Find out or get disturbed. Is something wrong with me that I feel so sleepy? Yeah. Rather, as he said, 
Or maybe you sleep a little extra and not day. <laughs> maybe, maybe there is some background somewhere in the system. It wants to get corrected before it goes. This is also this thing in your mind, or self-discipline. See, that's why that's why everything has its place. So at one point you have to learn to apply it. For each one it will be different. Maybe an odd day you want to practice self-discipline. It's perfectly fine. Maybe an odd day you... Probably it's too much and you know you need to sleep over. Your body is really telling you to sleep over. Sleep over, it's perfect. So you can't make a rule of it that you have to do this or that. That's how one has to see. That flexibility and plasticity is a great quality in life, in yoga and in healing processes. And very difficult to put it like, you know, you should do this or that. So this is slightly difficult because we have to find our own Yes, exactly. I'll give you. This is a difficult thing. Find out yourself why you are feeling. I may be sleeping for some other reason. You may be sleeping for some other reason. I'll give you one small example. Then we'll stop for the day. One uh, patient came to me, uh, good CEO of a company, and uh, he was very distressed and a lot of competition, corporate world, this, that, tried different psychiatrists. Then uh, somebody had advised him that you take a break. And maybe, you know, it will help you. So he went for a break. He had come to me after the break. So he took a break and all, then he came. I said, so how are you feeling after the break? He said, no, it became worse. So I said, why, what happened? He said, first two days it was bliss. Suddenly, you know, no, why switched off the phone, everything. Said, then what happened? So he says, you know, we had rich man, so, you know, luxury hotel with tennis grounds and all facilities. He said, I went in the morning, okay, let me play tennis. So I lost the game. Now, you know, after all, <laughs> he is a go-getter. So, it came, how can I lose the game? I need to win it. So, that started getting into him. So, he would want to play more and win the game. And he started mentally that, you know, how many sets? He said, it was miserable. Whole night I am thinking that why did I lose? How did I lose? So, you see, your nature catches you wherever you are. So, it's external thing, but some people it helps. It helps to... Uh, get out of that formation, that atmosphere and it's very helpful. But to somebody else, it may become another kind of pain. So, but all said and done, one thing is for sure, that whatever external way you may use at the moment, eventually one has to set seriously to look inside and get the thorn out of the flesh, which is stuck inside. So, temporarily something may help and do it if you feel like sleeping. Yeah, fine. If you want to discipline, fine. But the, ultimately, at the end of the day, the cause is to be discovered inside and healed from within. That, as I said, as long as we are human, we are limited. So the real remedy is eventually that great leap. Okay, so we'll stop here. Sorry, we have to rush. So tomorrow, meet again.